Amen. Uh, all right, hang on, kids, 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 hold, hold up, hold up, kids, hold up. Wait a minute, all right? You can stand where you're standing, all right, just a minute. We talk about this often, but we don't stop to do it very often. So what I want to do is I want to pray for our kids right now before they go to Redemption Kids. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah, that, God gave me that idea. So thank you, God. All right, let's pray for these kids. If you want, you can even reach out your hand just toward these awesome little kids. God, thank you for these kids. Every kid is a gift from you. God, thank you for these families, parents, mothers, fathers, care, guardians just that, that are pouring their lives into these children. Lord, thank you for our Redemption Kids team, week after week, preparing and creating those spaces and opportunities for them to learn about Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to help these kids learn more about you and that they would even understand uh, who Jesus is and what he's done for us at a very early age. Uh, so God, we pray that you would help them have a blast uh, this morning and that they would learn a lot about you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, you guys are awesome. Let's give it up for the kids as they go back. Yeah, come on, we can do better than that. Let's go. Come on, give it up for the kids. Awesome kids. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, you awesome adults can open your copy of God's Word to the book of Acts. We're in chapter 3 today, and uh, we are going to cover a lot of ground. Just a heads up, we're going to cover a lot of ground, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, all the way through verse 22 of chapter 4, all right? So it's going to be fun and really excited to uh, study this passage with you. Well, um, as, we, as we dive in to uh, this, this passage, um, man, we are, we are so thankful for uh, what God is doing uh, in our midst, in our church. Uh, Marsha and I are talking about it, just praying about it, uh, you, know, uh, you know, day after day, week after week, just so thankful for, uh, you know, man, you were singing, I said this last week, but you know, if, just be redundant if the shoe fits, right? So like, singing like Jesus is alive. You know what I'm saying? And he is. Uh, so this is how we should sing. But just so encouraged that, uh, that we're singing with, with some, like, belief and conviction and passion. And, uh, and so, wow, uh, you know, Jesus is alive, and he uh, deserves our attention. He deserves our lives. And uh, so, so, it's, so let's, just, let's just step into all of who he is today uh, as, we, as we learn more about him from the book of Acts. Well, uh, this, this chapter, these chapters are all about the name, the name of Jesus. There is a lot in a name, is there not? I mean, we could, we could just, I can just name names. I mean, just a few, uh, just to kind of get you thinking this morning. Uh, you know, Presley and Jackson, Hanks, Streep, Hepburn, Denzel. Jordan, Ali, Gretzky, Lincoln, Churchill, King, Mandela. There's so much in a name. We hear these names and immediately our mind starts to be to fire with associations of who this person was and what they did and what they represented and why they ma mattered in our world. And the same thing is true with the name of Jesus. There, there are associations that we have. There are, there, there, 
there are uh, views that, 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 that we just immediately go to as we think about the name of Jesus. And, and so I, I hope that today is a day where uh, your, 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 your vision of Jesus, your understanding of Jesus, all of who he is, what is wrapped up in his name is expanded and clarified and enjoyed more and more deeply. Because you see, Jesus can be a name that really is just a name among many other names. His name can be a name, even for those who believe in his name, his name can be a name. They just kind of get shuffled in with all the rest, not rising above all the rest. And so I I want to encourage us, and I just want to pray for a moment that God would help us to, to focus in on Jesus, who he is, what he did, what he wants to do for each one of us. So let's pray together. God, we pray that today the name of Jesus would be precious to us. That we would revere his name. That we would even bow down before his name, that we would want to exalt, lift up his name, that we would want to point to his name, that every good thing that is happening in us and around us is a result of not our name, but his name. And so God, we, we are well aware that only the powerful name of Jesus can accomplish those very things in our souls today. And so, God, would you help us to know you more deeply, that we might live for you more truly. Through the name of Jesus, we pray. Acts chapter 3. I want to cover the story. It has three movements. We're just going to take them one by one, and then we're going to summarize what we see about the name of Jesus from this story today. So just read, read the first 10 verses along as I read them for us, starting in Acts chapter 3. It's page 911 of the Bible we provide if you're still looking for that. So here, here we go. Uh, now, Peter and John, okay, these were two of Jesus' closest followers. We've already seen them in Acts. They're, they're leading the way, okay? They're leading the, the way in the early church. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And can I just, like, let me just stop right there. And we saw at the end of last, uh, last week, chapter 2, that that the church, okay, not just Peter and John, but everyone devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's why we open the Bible every single week. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, which also consisted of prayer and breaking of bread. So they were devoted to prayer. It's, we, we shouldn't be surprised that they're going to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer, 3 p.m. And we have a night of prayer this week because we, we want to be a praying church. And so just mark your calendars, all right? Thursday night, 7 p.m., I think. 7 p.m., check your calendar. Double check, right? I'll announce it at the end later. Uh, but we want to be a praying church, right? So now, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so what we have here, just think about this, what we have here are, and I love how God does supernatural work in the natural, ordinary moments of everyday life. And so Peter and John, you know, it's good to have, you know, friends and and, and partners in life and and, and, in ministry. And so Peter and John, they're going together to pray, to meet, I'm sure, other believers who were going to pray together there in the temple. And they're going there, and as they're going in, they, they hear this voice from down below them, a man who was begging for just some financial provision. Because you see, this man, he, he could not work. He had no ability to work. He was lame in his legs. And as we read the Bible, we shouldn't just, just kind of read and gloss over the words and like, you know, like, can we just kind of like ask God to help us feel the story? It says that this man was carried. He had no ability to get there himself. So can you, can you picture him, like, a couple of friends, like, holding him maybe on each side and, and his, his legs just dangling in midair? They have no strength. Day after day after day after day, all he can do is beg for just a little spare change so that maybe he can persuade someone to go and buy him some bread so that he has something to eat. And so Peter and John are about to move into the temple, and they hear this man asking for alms. Alms just means asking for for a, a bit of financial help, just some generosity to help this poor man. And they hear his voice from down below, and, and Peter and, and John, they, they look at him, and they gaze at him, and they say, look at us. And don't you know his hopes rose in those moments? Hey, these, these guys, man, they, maybe they're going you know, to help me out here. They're going like, to provide for me. I'm going to have what I need today. And Peter surprisingly says, I have no silver and gold. 
And just as a quick sidebar, I think we need to continually hear this as the American church, Americans who just live in a, in a world of wealth, a world of material gain. Even the more poor among us live like kings and compared to much of the world. And so God's not, God's not like, he's not hating on like making a good paycheck and but, but what are we living for? What are we asking God for day by day? Peter, Peter says, so silver and gold I, I don't have. And I don't know if this man began to be just momentarily dejected by that news. But Peter says, but, but what I do have, I give to you. Wow, what do you, what do you have? What, 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 what's... What's up your sleeve, Peter? What I, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter, by faith, reaches down to this man of faith who grabs his hand and he pulls him up. And this man not only walks, but he leaps for joy because God has restored his health. He has made his weak and lifeless legs strong and full of life again. This is who our God is and what our God does. Our God is the healer. He is, let me go Old Testament on you for a second. He is Jehovah Rapha, all right? That's Hebrew, the God who heals. And God wants to bring healing. He wants to bring healing. He doesn't always bring healing, right? But we, we, we're not afraid to ask God to heal. And when this healing happens, the, the man, I mean, can you imagine like a lifelong condition of chronic, like just debilitation? Can you imagine the mental and emotional fatigue that this man lived with day after day after day? I mean, the closest kind of, I try to put myself in his shoes. I can only do it vicariously through my experience with my uncle, Steve Gordon, who had Down syndrome. He, he lived with the long, you know. I can't tell you how many times he would say, I wish I could. I wish, I wish I could. I wish I could be friends. I wish I, wish I didn't have to live with my parents my whole life. I wish I could go out and, and do the things that you do. I wish I could get married. Like, he lived with a longing. This man lived with a longing, and now all of his longings have now been fulfilled through the power of Jesus. So we shouldn't be surprised, all right? We shouldn't be surprised, church, that this man is walking and leaping and praising God to the point where there is such a commotion. There is such like, can you imagine how quickly the word traveled throughout the corners of the temple that that man who every single day begged for just a little spare change so he could get himself something to eat, that man is not laying there anymore, but he is walking and shouting and praising God. Wow. Wow. The Bible is not a boring book. God is not a boring God. 
And so again, just a quick sidebar. I just I want to say, listen to this. And I was just re- I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, reading it again this month as you know uh, the monthly reading plan for the church. Hope you're hope you're enjoying the Gospel of Luke. Wait till you get to Luke 15. Luke 15, very familiar. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal, the lost son. Do you know what happens every time that they leave the 99 or they, they search until they find that, that one? I'll tell you what happens. They go bananas. They go absolutely crazy rejoicing and praising God, celebrating, throwing a massive party, bring the best goods, bring everything that we have. It is time to party because God is doing something amazing in our midst. And so I just, I just think we need to prepare ourselves as a church, all right? I just need to think we need to prepare ourselves to learn how to throw a good party. Come on, who's with me? Learn how to throw a party because God is doing something in and through us that is worthy of celebration. Get ready. I'm not that good at it yet. You know what I'm saying? I need some practice. I need some of you to help me out. Let's throw some, like when someone steps, like, like they did in this just past week. Come on, someone, someone who had been wrestling with the, the, just the gospel and the news of Jesus, just in the past week, they, they, they shared that you know, they had come to the place where, hey, I'm going all in. I, I, wanna, I follow Jesus now when I once didn't follow him. That is worthy of celebration, huh? Come on. I'm, I, I'm, come on. Let's go. Thank you. Wow. Do I need to get back here on the drums? Like, Do I just need to? Come on. Yeah, let's go. That's good news. That's so good. That hurt my ears. Thank you. Jesus gets loud when you celebrate. So, 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 so there's this, the first movement of the story. There's this, there's this miraculous. It was a miracle, right? A, a miraculous healing of this lame man who had been lame his whole life. He's now walking and leaping and praising God. And so what happens next? Well, it, it's, it's a moment, right? There, there is a moment happening here where people are just astounded. They're scratching their heads. What is going on? And Peter tells them what is going on, starting in verse 11. So here this man is. He's clinging to Peter and John, just in amazement. He's, he's probably just wrapping his arms around them in gratitude and, and thanks. And, and even for him, in disbelief, even though he believed, disbelief that God has done this for him. And it says that all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people and said this, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses in his name. By faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. 
and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So here's what's happening just very briefly in this this moment when this man is healed and he's clinging to Peter and John and, and just people are just flocking to, is it, is it true? Like, is he really walking? What, in, what is going on here? Peter uses this moment to say, hey, get that time out, all right? Why are you so surprised, okay, that God can work a miracle like this? Right? You know, I love what he said. Why do you wonder? Like, are you so, are you so, why would you be so amazed, okay, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's even, I think he's referring to the, the God who raises the dead. He's like, he is the God that, that who is currently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, this God gave this man the ability to walk again. And he not only says, like, why do you wonder that God could do that, but like, why do you stare at us as if by our own power, we made this man well in your sight today. And so, so Peter's seizing the moment to communicate the story of God as these people are wondering what is going on. And then I love, he, he doesn't just like state the facts and give the story, okay, but he, he takes that story and then he turns it to them and he says, hey, and, and what about you? Like, like, just remember, like, this Jesus, you, you rejected him. But, but this Jesus is the one who made this man well. And so how will you respond? How will you see Jesus moving forward? I love, he, he essentially, he, he takes the, the, the physical healing and, and he even uh, really one-ups it, right? Like, he one-ups it from God can work a miracle of healing for this man, but God wants to do more than that. He wants to work a, mi a miracle of healing in your soul. That's what Peter's message is all about, and we see a varied response. We're going to see that, that some, some heard that message that day, and they did turn back to God through faith in Jesus, but not everyone. 
not everyone. And, and oh, by the way, that's the pattern of the book of Acts. Some believed, some doubted. Some believed, some didn't believe. And this is what's happening again in Acts chapter 3 and 4. And only did not some, some not believe, but some actually opposed what God was doing through Peter and John. So let's pick up in chapter 4 and finish the story uh, here together. And so it says, and, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, the Sadducees were upset because they didn't believe that there was a resurrection from the dead. And so they didn't like the apostles teaching that Jesus was alive. Okay, they took their uh, kind of front burner issue that they did not uh, believe, and, and they just put it like right in their face because they're saying, hey, Jesus is alive, and he made this man well. And so uh, what they did because of that was, verse 3, they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. End of chapter 3, 3,000 men. Uh, in the middle of chapter, or the beginning of chapter 4, 5,000 men believing, not even counting the women and, 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 and younger children who were believing in Christ. So on the next day, their rulers, not just the Sadducees, the, the, this group who, who didn't believe in the resurrection, but the leaders of the people, the rulers, the elders, even the high priest and his family, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, all who were the high priestly family, they called them together, and when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, I love this, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you and to all that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, listen, salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, have you seen the boldness, by the way? Uh, there's boldness in, in this moment of, of healing, right? There's boldness when he's, the crowd is gathering, and, and Peter, but he, he speaks to the crowd. There's boldness right here before the rulers of the people. And they see this boldness, and it's unexplainable to them. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, in fact, uneducated, no formal education for them, common, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. 
So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. What do we, what do we learn here? What do we learn about the name of Jesus from this story? Okay, so number one, listen, the name of Jesus heals. The name of Jesus heals. Our God is a God of miracles. And so what what was going on here? Remember, miracles are signs. They're they're often called signs and wonders. And so it's so important to understand that that, that this physical healing for this man was was more than just physical healing. I mean, not not to any way, uh, you know, lessen the significance of this man finally after all these years being able to get up and walk and leap for joy, okay? Amazing miracle, but this was a sign to point to a greater reality that because Jesus is alive, because there is hope beyond this life, yes, there is something better on the horizon. There is something better than we have ever experienced in this life, in this world. There is a world to come, a kingdom that is coming, the coming kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. And in his kingdom, no one will be laying on their back. No one. No one will be blind. No one will be unable to hear. No one will have a stammering tongue. No one will have cancer. In the coming kingdom of God? Wow. And so this this miracle is is pointing to the greater reality of of the God who who heals. Not not just in these these moments of this life, but, but brings ultimate healing. Complete physical restoration. And so I want us to wrestle with this. I want us to wrestle with this as a church. I'm wrestling with this. I just want to be transparent. I am wrestling with this. Because I'm reading the book of Acts, and I'm seeing these things that God was doing, and I'm saying, like, God, why not now? Why not among us? And if I were to poll everyone in the room, like if you are a follower of Christ and you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my assumption is that you would say, yeah, God can heal. Yeah, God, like that's why I pray. Like, God, please heal my mother of cancer or sister of her illness. And, and so we're, 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 we're praying for these things to happen, believing that God answers our prayer and can miraculously work through our prayers. And, and yet, like, maybe there's times where God wants us to take it a step further. You know what I'm saying? Like, not just like pray for it in a generic sense when we're in a prayer meeting, although that's great, but like, like really like when someone is sick, 
like to, to go over and just to, to encourage them, to maybe even put your hands on them, just as a, a sign of, of God's love for them and, and in comfort of them. And to actually pray that God would heal them, not in an unknown generic way, but like, like right there in that moment. Now listen, that might make you nervous because you've never, you've never seen that before. You've never been a part of that. I'll be trans- like it, it makes me a little nervous. It makes me a little scared. It's, it's not something that I'm accustomed to all the time, but it's, it's something that God is changing in me. Like, I, I am the God who still heals. He doesn't, he doesn't heal in every case. We pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not, it's not God's design for every person who is sick in this broken and fallen world to be healed on the spot. But certainly at times it is. And so let's, let's pray to the God who heals. Let's ask him to work miracles in our midst. The name of Jesus heals. This, this impossible scenario physically, it, again, it mirrors the impossible scenario of what's happening in every heart of every person on the planet. We, we, listen, we are, let me just be very clear, all right? I hope I, this is clear. Um, we, we are not just lame. We are not just lame on the inside. Okay? So, so like, like spiritually, okay, like we're not just in need of some improvement. We don't just need someone to give us a little bit of medicine and then, you know, we'll be good to go and we can kind of make it on our own way and our own strength. We are dead. We are dead on the inside. Apart from the grace of God, we are spiritually dead, and because of our sin, our sin has separated us from God. God made us to know Him, to love Him, to worship Him, to point to how great He is through a regular, daily, ongoing relationship with him. That's what God wants for every person in this world, in our city, okay? So that's what God wants for us, but, but all of us, we have chosen to go our own way. We have done our own thing. We have said, God, thank you, but no thank you. And our sin and rebellion against God has separated us from God. Which means, which means, and maybe this is you today, so please listen carefully. Which means we need God to supernaturally and miraculously make us alive on the inside when we were once dead on the inside. Jesus says, listen, listen carefully. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. He says after, oh, by the way, he caused his friend, or actually just before he caused his friend Lazarus to rise from the dead in John chapter 11, uh, he says to his friends, Mary and Martha, hey, hey, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus came to bring us life because the implication is we didn't have it apart from him. 
sometimes the popular, like who, who likes to hear that we're dead on the inside? I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of that. No, no one likes to hear uh, you are prideful, you are selfish, you don't love God, and you are dead inside. But the truth shall set you free. That's what Jesus says. Uh, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so Jesus comes in to, to give us life. He, he accomplishes this, okay, by what he did in his perfect life, his substitutionary death. The author of life was killed. He paid the penalty of our sin, which is death, so that we can have life through faith in him. And so this is what Peter is very clearly communicating to these people, okay? You say, look, you killed Jesus out of your your own resistance to the working of God, the Holy One, the Righteous One, the author of life, God's glorified servant, uh, the crucified and risen one, and then he goes on and he talks about how Jesus is the healer. He is, he is the stone, the cornerstone, the one that you rejected and stumbled over is the one who, if you build your life on him, you will experience the life that God wants you to experience every single day. So, so, so Peter is very clearly communicating the gospel, the good news about Jesus. God made us to know him and love him. We have rejected that gift, but through Jesus, we can now experience the gift again. We can be brought back to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I, and I love what Peter is doing here, okay? And this is just a, this is just a lesson for us as, as we're also called to communicate the gospel to people clearly, okay? What Peter does is, as some people have presented this kind of, uh, you know, rubric, okay? Uh, he enters their framework, okay? He enters their understanding. He starts talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And their, their, their minds are like, oh, yeah, that's my God. Oh, you're talking about Moses? You're talking about Deuteronomy 18? Oh, yeah, I believe that. You're talking about Samuel and all the prophets. Man, I've been reading them my whole life. And so he identifies with them. He establishes common ground. But not only does he enter their framework, then he challenges their framework to say you've come this far, but not far enough. So so like you believe there's an afterlife. You believe that you even can experience God in the afterlife. but, but, But how? By your own merit? By what you've done? Whoa, whoa, hold on. Why did Jesus die then? Did you see that? We enter the framework. We challenge the framework. And then uh, we, as, as others have said, we complete the framework. We show how Jesus is the solution, how he is the explanation, how he is the one who satisfies all of our longings in life. We communicate the gospel with clarity. And, and part of that, okay, don't miss this, part of that is calling for a response. All right? So, so if, if, we, if we went back to study verses uh, 17 through 26 of Acts chapter 3, what we see is Peter then presses in and he says, look, hey, um, this is not just like something that, that is good like to read about in, in you know, the, the Jerusalem you know, newspaper or whatever. Like, no, this is very personal. This is very personal. You need to repent and turn back 
to God so that times of refreshing might come upon you until Jesus returns and he restores all things. And so, in other words, this is very personal. Every person has to make this decision. By the way, we can't force this decision on anyone, which really kind of puts people at ease. I even tell people that, like, look, like, if I could make you believe by snapping my fingers, I would be sure to snap my fingers. So, so, so we just present the facts about Jesus. We just present this news. What is, by the way, what is evangelism? Evangelism is a word that uh, just, just means sharing the good news. It is, as uh, Max Stiles says, he says it is teaching the good news with the aim to persuade. All right? And I think that's so important because, listen, uh, we, we've been talking about how Satan lies to us. We have an enemy and he lies to us. And so we just believe that, like, Everyone has heard the story before, and so everyone gets it, and they are rejecting something that they already understand. Let me tell you something. That is not true. That is not true. Two weeks ago, I'm hanging out with some friends. I don't think they mind me sharing their names, Tyler and Brad, and we're just watching a game, and we're talking about basketball. We're talking about the Celtics for like 75 minutes, and then somehow we're talking about like what's happening and church and and so, like, I just said, like, hey, let me just, do you mind if I just take a few minutes to kind of just tell you the story real quick, just to kind of, and so 45 minutes later, come on, thank you, Jesus. I wasn't for, like, they were leaning in. They were soaking it up, and so I just kept talking. That's what Peter would have done. So, uh, so I just kept talking, and 45 minutes later, after, you know, I had asked both of them, like, have you ever heard this before? No. We're informing people. We're helping them understand who Jesus is, what he's done, and saying, look, you have to step into this story. You have to turn from your former life of, of sin and brokenness and put your faith and trust in Jesus who did all of this, what you could never do for yourself. And that's when you start to experience the life that he wants for you. And so the name of Jesus heals. The name of Jesus saves and the name of Jesus compels our obedience. I just, I love, I love, like, as we're, as we're sharing our, our faith, as we're talking about Jesus, okay, I love that even in spite of opposition, even in spite of opposition, the gospel is going forward. They arrest Peter and John. They, they put them in custody. And yet it says in verse of chapter 4, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number rose to 5,000. And then they're called before, and Peter just boldly against proclaims the gospel, and like, what do we do? We can't deny that this man was healed. What do we do? Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll just say, like, hey, you can't, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. But what does is, what is, what is Peter and John say? Whether, look at verse 19. Underline these verses. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. The name of Jesus. The powerful name of Jesus. Brings salvation to all who believe in his name. And the name of Jesus compels an obedience, even in the face of opposition, that is saying, look, you can throw whatever you want at us. You can threaten us. You can say that you're going to take our lives. Guess what? We're going to listen to God rather than to you. 
And so I think, I think for today and for tomorrow, for today and for tomorrow, there are two very appropriate responses. Okay? If you have yet to place your faith in Jesus for this salvation, for this inner healing, like only you and your heart of hearts know if you have peace with God. You know what I'm saying? Only you and your heart of hearts know that one day when you stand before God, God is going to say, welcome home, or like, I, I don't know who you are because the relationship is still broken. And so if you need healing in your soul and you need to place your faith in what Jesus accomplished on your behalf, becoming sin on your behalf that you might have his righteousness, that God might look on you with a smile because you have been made a son or a daughter of the living God. If that's you, then please, like, not tomorrow, like, today. Like, like right now, today, say, Jesus, I follow you. That, that's my first encouragement. But then secondly, I would ask all of us to consider who, who have stepped into that life of Christ to get serious about sharing Jesus and take some risks. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk more about this next week because the, what we're going to see is even after there was opposition, what the, what the church did was they got together and they prayed that God would make them even more bold in the face of opposition. And so what I'm just saying is, look, like, whatever it means to get serious, if, it, if it's changing the way that you pray, if it's changing the way you order your time, if it's, if it's saying, God, help me to be a person who is more ready and courageous to, just in a natural way, in a very natural way, to talk about my faith, then, then like, could you do that today? And could you be resolved to take some risks and to say, you know what, like, it is risky business, right? It feels so risky. Like, what are they going to think? And are they going to reject me? And is it going to change the relationship? And am I going to have the right words? And, you know, what is like, and so there are barriers, barrier after barrier that, that I think, you know what I think? I just think like Satan is just over here and he just loves it, you know? Oh, man, look at them. They're scared again. Oh, look at them. They don't, they don't think they have the right words. I'm going to just keep reinforcing that with them. I'm going to make them, you know. But we, but we walk in truth. We resist his lies. We walk in truth and we say, God, empower me in these moments. It, listen, this only happens, I believe, because of a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. As we are filled with God's spirit, as we are filled with God's Spirit, Peter and John, they were ordinary people like us. And yet it says that they were filled with God's Spirit to speak these words boldly so that more and more and more people could experience the healing that comes in the name of Jesus. And so I want to invite the band to come out, and I want to lead us in a time of prayer before we sing. But, but, but what I want to do today, I've asked a few friends to to come forward and to be ready just to pray with, with you. If you need prayer in any way, as we're singing these songs, okay, don't, don't be afraid to, like, as we stand to sing, just to, to, to you know, say, excuse me, like, and they're going to know. Like, if you're moving, you're either going to the restroom or you're coming for some prayer. You know what I'm saying? So, like, don't be afraid. 
take a risk and come forward and just, look, you may need, you may need physical healing. You may need a breakthrough of something that's happening in your life and just the, the, the everyday matters of life. Why don't you come and have someone pray for you about that today? You may say, hey, I have never like totally lived my life for God and I'm hearing all these words that you're saying and I want that to change like right now, not tomorrow, today. And so however you need God to heal you, to empower you, let's pray about that together. Let's move forward in faith, believing that God is going to continue his good work among us. Let's pray together, church. Thank you, Father for your life-giving word. Thank you that you are the God who heals and who saves and who does more than we could ever imagine. And so God, would you free us up? Would you free us up to, to take some steps of faith, to take some risk? Maybe even right now, you're, 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 you're touching the heart of someone to say, hey, why don't you go receive some prayer right now? And I know how awkward and how Fear producing that can be just that thought from you to say, to step out and to come and receive prayer. But God, I pray that you would overcome that in us, even right now. So that God, you can do the work that you want to do. So that we can say, hey, it's not by our own power. It's not, it is because Jesus is here. Jesus is alive and Jesus is still changing lives. So God, would you do it? Would you do it even right now as we pray through the name of Christ? Amen. So if you would stand, we're going to sing a song about being poor and needy and weak. And we're going to ask God to empower us to, to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. And so I want to ask just the pastors and a couple of you that I've asked to come down, to come on down now. Eric, uh, Steve, if you come down and, and pray. Anybody else that just feels led to pray with somebody, you can come down to the front. And what, however you need prayer, let's move. Let's respond. Let's not just be receivers. We are not here to be just an audience. We're like, I'm not entertaining. Like, why are we here? We are here because God is here, because God wants to work in our lives. So God, move right now, we pray.